You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 14, Star Trek II, The Movie Fan Club, May 1982. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. All right, Star Trek fans. Hey, all you canonistas, you're going to love this today. <laughs> hey, even you tech heads well as well, too. I mean, everybody, everybody in our Trekophiles family spelled with an F. Um, I am so thrilled to have uh, our guest Dan Madsen back with us. Dan Madsen, the founder and president and creator of the Star Trek Original Fan Club. I'm just so glad to have him back here. But we're looking, well, the same thing we were looking at last week, an issue of the original Star Trek Fan Club magazine. Hey, the file is reposted again this week, as it always is. Facebook.com slash The Trek File. You can check out our focus this week there. Here's an audio sample. But don't go away. I'll be right back with Dan, and we will finish analyzing this wonderful period of Star Trek history. Spock dies. Death is rarely final in science fiction, so some Star Trek fans who previewed Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan didn't seem too upset at the apparent demise of Mr. Spock. Spock actually dies in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, said Gordon Weaver, an executive with Paramount Pictures, but there's enough in there to lead one to believe he'll be back. Before Saturday's screening in Overland Park, Kansas, Weaver said audience reaction to Spock's fate would help determine whether the ending would be altered. Afterward, he said the reaction was positive and the film's conclusion would be left intact. Wow. <laughs> um, there is so much we know about the Wrath of Khan, and the meta to it is what was going on in the months leading up to the Wrath of Khan. Dan, I'm so glad you can join us again. Thanks for sitting down, and as we, we look at the rest of the pages of this issue we found, um, let's talk about that. I love thinking about the pace of life and communication of fandom in the 80s and our in our hepped up, you know, 24-7 saturation today. But this was kind of amazing. The world, it did leak out yes. about Spock dying before the Wrath of Khan, right? Yes, it did. It did leak out. And I had to get per, uh, permission from Paramount to use that little piece. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it, there was, uh, as you might remember, you know, there were people outraged when they first heard that Spock might die. And I, I think, you know, what made... Paramount allow me to utilize that piece that had come out was that, you know, the ending left it very wide open, that the potential was there that Spock could come back. So it wasn't quite the nail in the coffin, so to speak, as people might have thought. And um, and so that was a last minute edition. It's funny, I'd forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that was a last minute edition. I had seen that piece. And so I had immediately called up uh, Paramount and said, man, this is out there. Why can't I put this in? I'm putting this out. And this new issue is coming out like imminently. And they said, okay, go for it. And so they let me run that. And, uh, so I thought, yeah, you know, at least, at least, uh, if people are going to find out about it, they find out about it through the, the Star Trek to the Rathacon fan club, which is a funny title to be 
calling something. Well, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get that too. We talked about Jimmy Doohan's half half of the, this issue is the interview with Jimmy Doohan, an actor interview, which is what people would expect to get. But of course, aside from the personality, the the actor touch, um, news is what's going on, and and the idea. Now, were you coming out every other month? You got 26 issues here in two years, so I'm thinking you were like bi-monthly? Yeah, correct. That's what you were doing at the time? Bi-monthly, yep. So let's slow the world down, 2022. Let's slow the world down to where you got your your intense dose of Star Trek, all 14 pages here. (laughs) Um, You got it once every two months in a little burst, right? Right. And so half of it, the personality, half of it, the news. That's why I'm amazed. And I want to talk about all of it, but let's just focus on. I'm so amazed that, number one, we remember that it did leak. In fact, Gene, it it leaked because, you know, first of all, Leonard had to be coaxed back to play Spock. So this began with him. It was a demand of Leonard Nimoy. So it is in there. They play around all through the the process with Harv and and Nick Meyer about, you know, they're going to have it at the beginning. They move it to the end. They tease him dying in the... All of that, all that soap opera. And then Gene is afraid the fans are good. So Gene kind of leaks the death out. There's all this drama. It gets out. The the fans who are some professional marketers do the survey that says, don't you dare kill off Spock because you will lose 37% of your box office. And, you know, they do a study. It's amazing to me that your little, you're the official, but your little newsletter that's in its second year, um, that that yes, that they let you do this because usually they don't want to acknowledge anything. But it, that's that's a sign of it had gotten so big that they even let their official every two months <laughs> newsletter talk about it. I yeah. mean, that's on so many levels. It's just an amazing moment. And I did he give you these this Gordon Weaver? Did he give you these quotes specifically, or was this in a news story that you found? That was in a news story I found. Okay, like and probably AP. When I yeah, and when I saw that, I thought well. Heck, AP reaches gazillions of people. Why can't I put it in the official newsletter then? And that was when I immediately got on the phone and I said, it's out there already. Mm-hmm. Why don't let me at least run it in the official newsletter? And they said, you know, they had to go through, I don't know who on the upper chain to, to let me do it. Um, but within, you know, I think by the end of the day, actually, if, if I recall, I got a call back and they said, go for it. And I I I put it in there, slapped it in there, and uh, was able to get it in, I think, a week before I yeah. put this issue out. Because it was still a world where people weren't saturated 24-7 online, much, or even on, on TV. But that's why it's, um, I mean, the idea of a licensed fan club was so new. This is only the second Star Trek movie. Nothing is set in stone about we're going to have future movies and series again. Every, everything is up for grabs. And and you can you know this, whether it's a shirt or a or a book or a magazine, much less news. If you're licensed, the good news is, hey, I'm the official licensee. And the bad news is they're going to control or tell you unless you can debate it. They're going to keep everything very conservative and close to the best. So, again, I'm 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 just amazed that that's that's a sign of either how worried they were about the public reaction and the fact that it was already out. Mm-hmm. or the, the confidence they had in you to let you do this? Because normally they'd be very conservative. So, oh, no, let's not even touch oh, yeah. it. Yeah, no, absolutely, Larry, you're right. I mean, normally they wouldn't let me touch it. And and you're so right about, you know, the blessing and the curse of being official, because on the one hand, you're official. And, man, I had to work, work, work to get Paramount to help me promote the fan club. And this was years later after this issue we're talking about, where they would put information on, 
their product packaging about the fan club so that we could reach, you know, thousands, mm-hmm. billions of fans. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the, 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 the bummer part of being official is that everybody else was able to run stories and things, but I couldn't do it because I was official and they wouldn't let me. And I'm like, well, but we're being scooped by some of these people because they're coming out with it. Well, it doesn't matter. You're the official. We want you to have the official voice out there of what we want to have said. And so, yeah, it was a, um, it was a blessing and a curse, but on this one particular article and I'm surprised, but it it was, I think it was AP that put it out. Um, and I remember thinking if it's out there like that, there is no reason Mm -hmm. why we shouldn't have it. And, uh, and that was my argument in it and it, it, it won. Yeah. And that's not to say that your audience, your members, and again, you just had a few hundred at the time. Right. Uh, if they were kids and they didn't necessarily read newspapers, you know, mm-hmm. or they had parents that would point it out or or they were, you know, just maybe their local paper didn't happen to run that story because they didn't think anybody cared. Right. The, the geeks had not quite won yet. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I mean. The, I talk about the baby days here about people getting their information in fandom. But let's go back to this that you mentioned. I love the fact because I remember this back when the idea of licensing for Star... Nobody thought of Star Trek as a franchise commercially because they still licensed everything project by project, right? So you were had to be the official Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan fan club. That's right. right. <laughs> and then you had to get a new license to be the Star Trek three, the search for Spock fan club at the beginning. Yeah. It was after that that I said to him, man, this is getting old because I... I I would make up new stationery every time. And I said, you know, can't we just call ourselves the official Star Trek fan club so that every movie, I don't have to keep changing the name. And I said, besides that, we're now developing into a point where we're not just covering that one movie. We're also doing stuff on on the whole franchise of Star Trek. So they finally let me just call it Star Trek, the official fan club. And uh, I was so... I can't tell you how happy I was to finally get them to agree to that because uh, it was a it was a pain in my rear end to have to <laughs> redo everything my business cards my stationery when we had to change the names each time there was a new movie. Yeah, well, now at this point you didn't have uh, you didn't you weren't selling any catalog items, right? It, mm-hmm. the, the whole part of what opened up the scope of the fan club was. I mean, people like to, it was, it was exciting for a lot of people. A lot of people would say, oh, look, it's this big ad in the middle of the magazine, you know, and they'd ignore it. But a lot of people loved it. And it wasn't like you could get Star Trek merchandise all over the place, but the, you weren't at that point yet here. No, we weren't not at that point. That would be years later that we would get to that. And, um, you know, we started out with just selling our own product. We made um, like, the, the, it was our on the 20th anniversary of Star Trek, we made some 20th anniversary items like a clock and a, and a mug and such. And, um, Did you have the belt buckle? And it was, and no, I didn't that have a belt buckle. Okay. And then we, and then we decided after that, that we would start calling all of the licensees and saying, Hey, let's work together. You know, we'll put a catalog together that goes out to all these Star Trek fans and we'll put your product in here. And, um, and so Paramount gave their blessing. And so, yeah, then it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And I got to be honest, you know, because I ran the official Star Wars fan club and we saw how we were doing that. Um, and there was so much more of a licensing merchandising mm-hmm. uh, program behind Star Wars that it was kind of like, hey, you know what? Star Trek's 
behind here. We need to we need to be doing that for Star Trek. And it was because of Star Wars that we got the catalog uh, in the Federation trading post, as we called it. Um, and we put it and started doing it just like we did in Star Wars yeah. uh, magazine. Well, that's that struck me. I was thinking at least by then you had by this time you had some items, but I guess that was further down. Well, this yeah. nice long piece is this was this the production? Did you write these notes, these background notes, or was this like the publicists? Uh, production information that they put together. Information that I took out of like, and they gave it to me early before it actually mm -hmm. was to everybody. So I guess in a way we were kind of the first ones for anybody to read that information because it hadn't been put out to the mass public by that point. So uh, yeah, so that that's exactly what that was. Well, and then I say that, then there's this addenda there's part that reads like a publicist uh, wrote it, the production notes. But then there's another section here, Star Trek Two News, where you say here is some more information. This almost sounds like either it's you asking questions or they did a supplement or like here's the things fans want to know. Like because you're talking about uniforms, you're talking about <laughs> background on the actors, the guest stars. That was me adding that in. Mm -hmm. I knew people were just fascinated, as was I about the new uniforms. I mean, this was, I mean, there were a dramatic shift from what we saw in the motion picture. And, uh, and so there was only a few things that people could see of what they might look like. I, I vaguely remember, I think Entertainment Tonight had a brief clip where they were behind the scenes on the Wrath of Khan and they showed, they were interviewing Shatner and I think they interviewed DeForest Kelly and you could just see kind of the top with the, with the, the, you know, the undergarment that looked like a turtleneck, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, so you really didn't get an idea of what the whole uniform looked like. Um, and so the the people were just absolutely um, so fascinated by what are the new uniforms going to look like? So, yeah, I added that in because I knew that was, that was something that I was getting a lot of fan mail from people talking about. Yeah, what we, what would we call the Monster Maroons. <laughs> later on well now there's another section here where it's it's project genesis and it's you know we're watching this looking back at this now from 30 years later it's not a it's nothing new but i'm thinking in the day i mean you dated this issue from may so mm -hmm. the rathacon comes out in early june june 6th i think or 4th mm -hmm. um around d-day time and yeah. did you i mean may is a nice cushion and the way publications do usually is they're predated I mean, they really come out ahead of time. Did you beat May? I mean, I'm thinking, or did you literally come out just a week or two or three before the movie or a little sooner than that? Or uh, We came out sooner than the movie. Uh, and, right. and, you know, I did like that Project Genesis. I thought that wouldn't fly, but they let it go. So, um, but so I'm saying, this is a script excerpt. So did you, right. did you ask for something and they said, here, you can have this or? They asked, I did ask for something. I asked if they could send me more information that I could share. And, and that's what they sent me. And then I just kind of tweaked it a little bit on my own. And, um, and then I, you know, and I did the different font styles for the headings. Um, those were the rub on letters. If you mm -hmm. remember. Yep. Letra set. And yeah. yeah. If you'd rub them on and stick on the paper. I mean, this was, like I said, this was like stone knives and bear skins. If I could quote <laughs> Mr. Scott. <laughs> Uh, nobody else, but, oh, it's a perfect situation. No, I mean, it's, you know, and I, we crossed paths years later 
Yeah. Uh, but even in my memory, well, I remember for you, you did win the battle over the licensing project. By, and after a while, it was evident. After the next generation came along, it was silly to have. I mean, you did want a unified franchise. I don't remember when they when you finally won just being able to call it Star Trek. Do you remember? Was it um, Star I, Trek it, 4? Yes, after Star Trek 4. That's correct. It's like yep. things were co- people were starting to get the idea this is going to be something bigger than the movies and they're thinking of the future. So it it it, it made sense, but what I remember <laughs> was for years it was Star Trek the official fan club magazine and that was the title. <laughs> that was it. Yep. And that's when we finally said, you know, it's time to, well, can't we just call this or give it its own title? And so we literally, um, we put all a whole list of titles together and people at Paramount actually Mm -hmm. gave some suggestions. And I don't remember now whose idea it was to call it communicator. Um, And that was the one we ended up with because I remember thinking, well, that's a perfect name for it. I just remember for a long time, we were just acronizing it. Or I say we, I wasn't part of your team yet, but it was just the S-T-O-F-C-M. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. It was, it was, it was uh, awkward. So we yeah. needed to come up with a better title for it. And part of that was because I said, well, you know, the magazine is on newsstands now. And I said, it, it should reflect that it's not just the fan club. It's a magazine all about Star Trek. Um, and, and they, you know, they, they listened to my argument and that's how that happened. Well, it's easy to forget how much our awareness, again, we talk about, you know, there was licensing for the original series was just one off. You know, they would think about T-shirts and lunch boxes and maybe a comic book. And right. it was, everything was just so primitive. And then through the 70s, obviously things blew up. Star Trek blew up and then that let Star Wars, you know, take off. And, and that kind of synergy between George Lucas would have never got his final financing, if not for the Star Trek explosion. And then... Star Wars allowed Paramount to finally wake up and push for the motion picture and restart. You know, so there's always, I always love this. And, and you've had, you've straddled both empires. You've been a, you have, you are a titled on-screen appearance in. Um, in Star Wars. In Star Wars. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, have, how have you been about that whole back and forth? I've always thought it was just clickbait, put the modern term to it. <laughs> about I, the know, competition. I loved them both, you know, and. Uh... You know, it's Star Trek came first, and it was uh, when I was approached by Lucasfilm to do Star Wars, I thought, wow, you know, I mean, I love Star Wars every bit as much as Star Trek. And so I did I did both of them, um, started up Lucasfilm after Star Trek. And uh, and I have so many great stories about those early days, Larry. I mean, I'm, I'm literally writing a book right now all about some of the early days and meetings with the original cast members um you know for star trek and later on and uh, next gen and then into star wars and uh back to the future you're putting it all into one book all into one book you may need a volume two and a volume three there dan i think it takes me so long because there's so many things to write about if it was just about star trek i'd have it done by now you know (laughs) well well, I, I think we're out of time here, but again, we'll never be out of time if we know that book is coming. So I can't wait for that. It sounds like it's it's not quite to the launching pad yet. No, not yet. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. But you still bring in. We'll we'll let you get back to it. But meantime, thanks. <laughs> I came across this and I thought, oh, we have to get down on and talk about you know what's. It's quite it's lo- it's lovely to talk about the old days, 
Uh, but look how far we've come. But also, um, I, there was a lot of there was a lot of of, of charm. There was the before it was such a competition. And when there, the whole a, you, you had to fight for attention, even the whole world yeah. didn't, you know. Absolutely, I had to fight, fight, fight just to get attention. I mean, it was it was it was a lot of work, you know. I mean, it was it was it was hard. I, I can't deny it, you know. Trying to get our spot out there and get our message out there and our name and such, it was was not easy. Well, we didn't have to fight you to get your attention today, Dan. So thanks again. For, <laughs> thanks again for joining I'm us. I'm always glad to be with you guys. <laughs> thanks. Hey, everybody. The Truck Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. And all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yeah, that's me at LarryNimacek.com. That's where you can link in for all the new Trek file swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.